You're listening to Larger Story Messages with Dr. Larry Crabb. For more teaching and resources, visit LargerStory.com. This series we've titled What Every Christian Counselor Needs to Know, and we could put in there what every pastor, uh, what every uh, Stephen minister, anyone that's in the, the capacity of helping people in life with some of the struggles that we all face in life, this is what you need to know. Subtitled, The Seven Keys to a Spiritually Forming Conversation. Can we recap? Uh, you got all that ready right there before you, Larry, where we are up to. We're going to start today and end with both points six and seven. But but what are the recap of the points that we've had thus far? You know, I'm really hoping, I'll recap in just a moment, what I'm really hoping is that groups of people will listen to these together. You mentioned Stephen's Ministries. Uh, a church that we had some wonderful affiliation with has a marvelous Stevens Ministries program. The, the leader of it is just incredible. And I'd love to see her team of people listen to these tapes and just think about them together, discuss them, pray over them, see what makes sense, yeah. talk about them. I think this could be a really helpful thing to get us zeroing in, not just on the passages that apply to a person, not just on the empathic techniques that are good to use and not on all, all of our training that we've had, but, but let's think deeply about the nature of the relationship that exists between two people who are struggling together to find God, perhaps one in the role more of a helper, mm-hmm. spiritual director, counselor, and and the, and the principle so far that I just hope people will ponder and think about is is number one the red dot where where is the other person right now discover where they are discern what they are that requires curiosity that requires attentiveness that requires a real desire to know where they are right now in the middle of the relationship point one point two are you willing to face where you are right now I call it the interior world principle what's mm-hmm. my red dot. Are you willing to face that? Am I willing to face where I feel intimidated or where I'm feeling inadequate? And and if I can face that, then maybe in the middle of that, I can discover there's something better in me than all of that junk. I really do love God, and I really do love this person. When that becomes clear to you, expect the power to be released. The third one is develop a vision for people. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to, to, to allow a faith vision to develop? The it's possible principle. Am I, am I able to look at a person I'm chatting with no matter where they are and to quietly in my soul without any effort to work it up, but just to deeply rest in the fact the Holy Spirit is at work right now in this person's life. The Holy Spirit loves this person far more than I do. The Holy Spirit has obviously a whole lot more power than I have since I have none apart from him. Mm. And the Holy Spirit can do the job. And can I claim the privilege of being part of this journey, of tagging along with the Spirit as he does his deepest work? That's the third principle. The fourth principle that I anticipated and got out of order a moment ago (laughs) is the principle of the flesh dynamic. The flesh dynamic principle, what is the real battle going on in the human soul? The real battle is never what people talk about initially. The real battle is not communication in marriage. The real battle is not that you're tempted sexually and you watch pornography when you shouldn't. Those are battles. I don't mean to minimize them. But the real battle is way down deep. Am I committed to myself or am I committed to God? Am I self-obsessed? Am I saying that nothing matters more to me than the fact that I don't feel good right now? Hmm. Or... Nothing matters more to me than the fact that I want to draw close to God and reveal him to others. Hmm. That's the battle. Now, the good news is, and this gets us to the fifth principle, the fifth principle is the spirit dynamic principle, that if I really want to know God better, and I would long to have an appetite for him that's stronger than an appetite to feel better. Mm-hmm. We talked in the last program about a pastor who's in prison in a very difficult situation where he's being oppressed for the sake of the gospel. 
and he's saying, no, don't, don't go through political manipulations to get me out of here. Maybe God wants me here. I'd rather be in the center of his will and be formed by him through the suffering and be used by him through the suffering than, I, than, than getting out of here and being comfortable. Of course I want that. John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress during 12 years in prison away from his family who were suffering, and of course he wanted to be out. But there was something in him that said, may, may the moss cover my eyes <laughs> before I ever deny my God. I want to know him more than I want to even be with my family. Why did Jesus said, hate mother and father? He didn't mean literally hate them. No. What he right. meant was love God so much that he has a priority over everything else. Now, the spirit dynamic principle is it's already in you. The power is already there. The appetite's already been planted in you and when you were forgiven of your sins. You're, a, you're now a Christian. That's your identity. So there's a new acceptance, a new purity. There's a new identity. You're a new person. There's a new appetite within you. There's a new power to move in that direction. And so with all of that in my mind as a Christian counselor, with all of that in my mind as a spiritual director, now I can start listening to your story. And now we can get to the sixth principle in our seven key principles in the spiritually forming conversation, which very simply is enter the story. Enter it with discernment. The spiritual listening principle. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about that. This, this, this would require um, a year of conversation, but let's see if we can kind of distill it down to a couple of minutes. Jim, you, you said um, you said a little while ago that uh, that sometimes you're not sure if you feel as hungry for God as you as you wish you did. Give me a little background of that. Tell me your story. What what comes to mind? When you think about your background. You feel like sometimes you're not seeking after God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You even used the word lazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Um, I think that was off the air, but um, now we're putting it... Um, it's now officially on the air. It's now officially or on, on the CD, at on least. On the CD. And um, as, as you think about that, and that's kind of a, a little part of your red dot, what, what comes to mind as you think about your background? What, what stories come to mind? What relational events? What... What pops into your mind as you just think about the fact that sometimes you wait for God just to do his thing and you're just going to hang around, watch television until he does? Yeah. Um, and I can relate to that, by the way. I'm not sitting here above you. I know what that's like. God, do your thing. I'm going to play golf today. Yeah. Hope to see you. Um, my, as you said that, my mind went to childhood and even remember family people saying about me, uh, my mom once said, this was probably in teenage years, you, know, you, I've often wondered if you're not the, the class clown. I used to be able and still can do limericks, do jokes, do things. If I want to just really cut loose, I can usually make people laugh. And I feel just energized by that. And uh, she said, I just wonder if it's because you didn't get much attention. Your brother had some health, health issues. You were the fifth of six kids. And my mom was certainly no psychiatrist and or psychologist, and I never, I, I forgot. I mean, I thought about that, and I thought about no relationship with my dad at all growing up. I mean, just just none. And I remember being fascinated by radio as a kid, and thus, you know, as teenage years came about, even then, started in some radio work, TV work, and then went to college, and then, of course, I've had twenty five years now of 
all kinds of radio. Let me just pick on two parts of that. Was there anything mm-hmm. else you, you wanted to say? That, that... Well, I was, uh, in, in a nutshell was taking a radio career that I remember setting out to do, oh. that you've said this before, so I became the voice of the Minrith Meyer Clinic. I still do a lot of voice work and work with AACC. I've been backstage with all kinds of the so-called Christian celebrities. And coming, uh, my analogy is always, it's not an analogy, it's real, going back to a hotel room thinking, hey, remember one time I was in the hotel room in Denver where we are. Privately, Joey Paul called and said, Dr. Dobson would like you to come up and interview him. And I went up there and I thought, what is a snotty-nosed little kid from Bradford, Ohio, doing sitting in a private hotel suite with Jim Dobson? And I've thought about, I mean, even my relationship with you, I don't really feel that much with you anymore, if any, but there was a sense of, wow, if I could just meet Larry Crabb. And there was just an idol thinking, I am nobody, and if I can get to around certain people and in my journey, that has also led, in answering your question, to thinking, that will be the answer. I've thought I'm on a futile search for father. If I can, I'd rather get more excited about John Piper, and we've talked about that. I love John Piper, about his sermons than I am about the object of his sermons. More excited about hearing you talk about God and all this, but not about my own relationship with God. So I connect with like a surrogate person between me and God. There is more than, there, you know, the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man. I've put many mediators in there thinking that'll finally bring me to rest, and it doesn't. Spiritual director, counselor, you've just heard a Christian brother who knows God, who loves God, is and his journey. He's a serious Christian. I know this man, and he just told you a little bit of his story. Now, just a couple of minutes. There's a, a whole bunch of hours here we could listen to about his story, but you just heard a little bit of his story. What a gender line. What did you hear? Jim, as you told in capsule form, a lot about your story, and I know more of it than what you've just shared because yeah, we've talked a lot. Mm-hmm. But something you said that I underlined that I've not heard before, that your mother made a comment to you, that you seem to be the class clown. And then she said, I wonder if, and what did she say? I wonder if it's because you didn't get very much attention from any of us when you were little. But, okay. And then she added that my brother came along and had a number of, he had seizures and all kind of health issues 13 months behind me. How old were you when your mother said that to you, roughly? 13, 13. 12. I was earning my teenage what years. What were your emotions as you recall the conversation? Uh, the only emotion I'm aware of is the same one I feel all the time of going, dog, she was onto something there. She... Because she did not say it in any way to shame me. She felt very... I had felt not a whole lot of tenderness from my mom growing up. Um, and that moment felt tender. And I just remember going, wow, I didn't feel like I wanted to be the class clown. I didn't feel like I wanted to... I just went, wow, I think it touched on something inside of me that went, I don't feel like I've hardly had any attention growing up. you know. So as I say it now, I think it's just a sense of that was a... Um, a reality that I don't know started the battle. You said last time the battle started at birth, so of sin. But my battle just was intensified. It reminded me of how intense my battle is to say, I will make people notice me. How did that conversation end? With my mom? Uh-huh. I Whatever you can recall n- of it. No, no, no recollection. recollection all you can recall of it is that maybe the reason you're a class clown is because you weren't given the appropriate attention. I just remember being, which was very rare for me, still would be kind of rare as an adult, but stopped, and I, went, I remember I remember pondering. Huh. And I never did that back then that much that I remember. What's huh. the message of your mother at that point? 
Hmm. What does a 13-year-old boy hear when his mother, rather tenderly, which wasn't her habit, it feels tender to restate it. Yeah. She um, comes to you and she says, Jim, I know that you tend to be the class clown, and maybe that's getting in the way of your being all that you can be in terms of serious achievement. You're a bright guy. You're a good thinker, but you tend to like to act silly and act up a lot. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that has to do with the fact that you weren't uh, given an, a lot of attention when you were little. And brother comes along after you, and you were kind of lost in the mix. Big family. What's the message of your mother in all that? The first thing that comes to mind is regret on her part. That she feels badly. That, um, that she's failed. You'd have to know part of the history of my mom, but but yeah, and it would be a sense that she had some, you know. Ways of just of saying, I feel like I really failed you, mm-hmm. you know, and that that she was saying, Jimmy, as she would have called me, you didn't really get much attention growing up, and it's not your fault, and um, so there's no sin issue from her, her as far as her seeing that, no, you're a victim, yeah, oh, the, the, clearly, not me saying clearly, but that's that would have that's been her message. take on it. Was it's no wonder you you do this. No wonder you do this. So there's no responsibility on right. your part. Mm-hmm. And I tell me if I'm right or wrong here. I don't know, but I would think at the end of that conversation that um, you said that you did feel like you didn't want to be quite the class clown as much anymore. And is that accurate? Yeah, it didn't last. And let me tell you, of course, because the first time the spotlight came back on, I knew I could get everybody laughing and paying attention to me. So that conversation led to no level of brokenness. Zero. There was it, no release. It paused me for a moment. I understand. There, but was, no, there was no release no. of your essential manhood no. in Christ. No. So as I listen to your story, what I'm discerning is that your mother could have given you a very different message. Mm-hmm. That message, which I've never heard you tell me that story before, it comes to your mind as we talk about mm-hmm. the fact that you might be a little lazy spiritually and not knowing God as well as you do. And now I hear a story from your mom, a rather influential person in your life. Your dad was kind of distant, not there. Your mother had moments of tenderness. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more to that story, of course. And what I hear her saying to you is, wait, Jim, you don't need to do anything until somebody fills up your your, your bucket. Um, you can just sit around and do your thing, and nobody should ever hold you accountable for that because you've been victimized. You didn't get the proper attention. Mm. No wonder you move in these directions. Now tell me what you hear as I say all that. I first, I just resonate with it. I'm thinking, I don't know that I've thought through it the way you just did, but as you say, does that really feel new to you? The yeah, because I have never, I've never. The the story is one I've told at least a few times along the way. But as you talk about that, I have never pondered until this moment the uh, the the real battle, so to speak. What was going Mm. on for me, and and I think, or what my mom's message was. It it feels like a warm message if she was saying. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, it's no wonder. I didn't know then, but I, I probably did know then. But I know now, I'm a little older, um, that when I do things to make people laugh, and I, I feel it, I've journeyed too far, and I'll go, you are pulling it off. When I go up and name drop, I mean, I struggle with you. I'll be with somebody, not with you, and and, and, and I'll know the right people I can say, of course, I do radio with, or I... Uh, you know, le- help lead in the conference work of Larry Crabb, and sometimes I'm thinking, why did you just do that? And it, it, it gains me a little bit of clout. And it somehow feels justified. 
because nobody has come through for you to fill your bucket the way it needs to be filled mm. and because it hasn't yeah. been filled for you because you didn't get the proper attention as a child in certain ways and therefore there was legitimate pain. Mm-hmm. And your mother was probably very correct in her assessment and probably a very wise thing at one level for her to say, a very discerning thing. But in the absence of somebody coming through for you, then there's something in you, I'm wondering, that would say, given the emptiness that I feel, I have found a way to fill it and I intend to use it and I see nothing wrong with it. Because if nobody's going to feed me, then why is it wrong for me to steal a loaf of bread? Yeah, I should have been fed. I wasn't fed, so I took a loaf of bread, so it wasn't mine. I'm hungry. You got a problem with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so I hear something like that. And if that's, if that's just a little bit of, of, of listening, if that's a little bit of this, this, this sixth principle of, 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 of entering the story with some level of discernment, with some level of understanding that there's a real battle going on in your soul, and even a story that had I shaped my response to your story by saying, boy, I'm glad your mom had a moment of tenderness with you. I know she wasn't always as tender as you could have wished. That must have meant the world to you, Jim. I'm so glad that you had at least that experience. Let's see if we can build on that. That would be a very undiscerning response on my part. That would be a response that does not partake of biblical wisdom at all, does not recognize the real spiritual struggle going on, and does not lead you to the last key to a spiritually forming conversation. And let's move to that now. We just kind of looked at very quickly a lot of, a yeah. lot of thinking went on there. Mm-hmm. But just the idea of, of listening to somebody's story and not getting caught up in only the sadness of it, not getting caught up in only the warmth of it when it's there or the horror of it when it's a horrible story, but getting caught up in a, in, a, in, a, in a good understanding of biblical categories, a good understanding of what is the flesh principle, what is the spirit principle. And when I can introduce to you that there's something going on in you that really is pretty ugly, that when you like to grandstand and tell jokes and get attention, it's kind of your way internally of flipping God off. Yeah, and saying, you don't give me the proper attention. I've been waiting for you to make yourself real to me now for a fair number of years. I've been a Christian for a long time. I don't feel your reality as deeply as I want to. Therefore, I don't see any reason why I can't fill myself up right now. And I'll be glad to stop it as soon as you choose to come through. And I believe that it's your sovereign choice to give me the experience of joy. It's your sovereign choice to, Jim, it was just two nights ago that I probably spent an hour begging God to give me in his sovereignty the experience of a deep level of peace. He didn't give it to me. Now, does that justify me of going to a porn store the next day? But it feels like it does. And some would say there are some who do. I mean, there's counseling in a session with somebody today, and the, and the line was, you just can't blame me for that. I begged and begged and begged. He won't show up. Then I'm kind of off the hook. And so, therefore, it's uncontrollable what I did. And therefore, sense, it's an yeah. addiction. Yeah. And now I need treatment for addiction as opposed to repentance for my sin. Hmm. But once you start understanding that there's something in you that when your mom says you weren't attended to properly, and you went, yeah, I don't think I was. And then to say that maybe your pattern, your flesh pattern to some degree since then, this isn't the whole story, but your flesh pattern since then has been, I really don't see why I should be responsible to give the deepest part of my soul to my wife when I don't get much from her. I don't see that I'm really responsible to give myself to my kids if they don't make me proud. Now, you happen to have a lovely wife and nice kids, but, but there's no, struggles but you there. Just, you just took an arrow and shot straight into my heart. Exactly part of, it, part of the struggles we've talked about in our marriage, and that's exactly one of saying another message my mom gave me, since you're onto this real quick, tying into this, was, Jimmy, quit being so doggone selfish. Hmm. And that was as an adult. And that's the biggest theme my wife has had is you, you, you can, you know, you can travel around, work with ministries, do these things, and you can just live in your own world and be selfish. And so there's just times I just feel like, Jim, that, 
you're just kind of like you like it there. And I don't want to even make that about her at this point because my mind has gone to uh, being open to, I think she's right. I think there's a sense of saying, don't require anything of me. And the line that I've used with God for a long time is, leave me alone, comma, don't require anything of me. That has been a banner through all my Christian work. It's not there 24-7, but there are those times I come back and I'm like, just just leave me alone. And God is saying, Jim, there's a real sense in which my message to you is not to require anything of you, but is to release everything from you. Hmm. I've put everything in you already. And yet it'll take responsibility. And yeah, you're required to, by the deepest part of your heart, this is going to be release, not obligation. Hmm. This is going to be what freedom is all about. The freedom to move towards your wife, towards your children, towards your responsibilities, toward all the little things that you don't want to do. Jim, this gets into so many little tiny things. Let me tell you a really silly, dumb little story. I take out the trash every Tuesday morning. It comes at 8 o'clock, so I usually get up early, early in any mornings, every morning anyhow, and I take the trash out. And I have the trash bags in the trash barrels, and so I pull out the big black trash bags, and I put the tie around them and carry them to the curb where the trash people come. And it's something I don't want to do. But it's my job, and I don't think Rachel should do it. I think I should do it, and so I do it without too much grumbling internally. But when I come back to the garage, after having taken the trash, can, the trash bag out of the garbage can, I feel a little annoyed that I probably should go and get more trash bags and put them in the trash barrel. I've done my job. I don't see why I should have to do that. So, so there's something I relate. Me, I relate. I think most honest people would relate. There's something in me that says, "Look, I'll do my part. But I don't want to go all the way." Uh, I, you know, and and now actually because I've seen that, and now I take them out Monday night, and I put the trash cans, the trash bags in. I think just about every time, and now I do it with a certain level of freedom. There's a release now of what's in me as opposed to what well, I should do it. God isn't requiring of you. God is wanting to release you, which takes us right into the last principle. If I've listened to your story with any beginning little tiny levels of discernment, Mm -hmm. and if there's been some spiritual listening as you talked about your story, I wasn't so much empathic, although I hope I was sensitive, but there was more of a, I wonder what's really going on in this man's soul as he tells me his story. And if I hear it with any spiritual discernment at all, it's going to lead to principle seven, which is can I facilitate movement through the cycle of change, the spiritual formation principle, how can you become released, not required of, but released to be all that you already are? It isn't a question of, Jim, will you finally shape up and do a few things better? What's the matter with you? Stop being so lazy. Yeah. Stop being so selfish. And stop being so committed to hanging around with celebrities and going to all these conferences and hanging around with the big shots. And, and just stop all that, Jim. What's the matter with you? That's not spiritual formation. That's uh, on top of Mount Sinai yelling at you. But the spiritual formation principle, the last of the key principles, is can, can, I, can I interact with you in a way that would facilitate movement through what's going to produce release? And let me just say it very simply. Brokenness is where it begins. Hmm. Not self-pity. Not demanding. Well, why don't I get attention? I didn't get it as a kid. How about now getting it as an adult? Well, I could get it when I do radio because I'm pretty good at it. I get it when I hang around with some people. Dr. Dobson wants me to interview him. Well, I'm getting some attention. Finally, I think I'm discovering my wholeness. And I'm saying, oh, no. you're. By the way, I'd go back to the hotel room every time after that, every time. And I would be elated and I would feel it leaving me as I walked down the hotel. And maybe I'd call somebody and say, guess who I was just with? But sometime that night, I would feel so empty like somebody pulled a plug out 
and an all left. And actually emptier than emptier. before I just, you were invited exactly to be with what Dr. I was Dobson. Because yeah. every time a guy takes drugs and gets high, when the high wears off, he goes lower yeah, than when he took the drug before. So brokenness is a recognition that your pattern is not only foolish, it's actually wicked. Hmm. Because brokenness is over sin, not over pain. And the brokenness of recognizing what I've been doing with my life violates the way the Trinity relates. What I've been doing with my life violates what I really want to do. Somewhere in my heart, I don't want to depend on Dr. Dobson calling me. If I live in obscurity the rest of my life, if my wife is never nice to me, which of course won't happen, but if she never were nice to me, I have the privilege of moving toward her because that's what my soul wants. And that's not what I've been doing. Brokenness recognizes you've been wrong. Now, is that beating you up? No, it's the beginning of freedom. Because mm-hmm. out of brokenness comes repentance. And repentance is no. Life is not from interviewing famous people. Life is from giving my soul with discipline to other people that I love. And in the process of being broken and repentant, abandoning myself to God, saying, do you have the power to actually let me do this, to help me do this? You do. And I'm going to move toward this direction, trusting your power. And the more I trust your power and do things that don't come naturally to me, then I'm going to develop a confidence, brokenness, repentance, abandonment, confidence, a confidence that you really are there. And out of that will come the release that God is looking for you. So the the cycle of spiritual formation is broken over sin, repentance over digging broken cisterns and drinking water from them, which leaves you thirstier than ever, abandonment to God saying, no more broken cisterns for me. I'm not going to name drop. I'm not going to let the trash bags uh, to tomorrow to put in the barrel. I'm going to do it today. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do it as an act of love toward my wife because when she empties a kitchen waste can, she's going to have a bag there that her husband put there for her to receive it. That's going to make her life just a little tiny bit nicer today. And it's not for an attaboy or to get her off your back. And, of course, your motivation will be mixed as you'll have the battle till the day you die. Right. And your indwelling sin will continue to be there. But can you discover within you the fact that there is something deeper within you than I want to get the attaboy? Well, yeah, I'm saying that's there, but you've talked about ruling passion. Would it be correct to say a ruling passion then can be, I want to do this because I love her. And and it's And even more than loving her, because at times your wife, like any good wife, is not going to be all that lovable. So the real issue was not I love my wife. The real issue is I love my God. And out of that, I can love my wife as mm-hmm. Christ loves mm-hmm. me when she's unlovable. And when she really just irritated the socks on me last night, I'm still going to put the trash back in. Because there's a tendency there to say, oh. not this morning. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's abandonment to God. And out of that comes a confidence. And the confidence, and this is where I think we've got to get the good news going here. The good news is that the confidence is you really are going to feel better. You're going to feel more whole. You're not going to be less hurt if people fail you. You're not going to feel less pain when emptiness is there, but there's something going to be beneath the emptiness, and you're going to say, yeah, I guess I do feel kind of empty, and yeah, my, you know, this isn't working out very well, and my money problems have gotten worse, and I'm really kind of scared. But why is it down beneath all of that, I kind of feel alive. Hmm. I feel, dare I say it, good, whole. Hmm. Is, that the, is that the confidence that comes, and out of which comes a release that then putting the trash bags in over time is going to be a joy as opposed to a discipline. And that's the seventh principle. We are, um, well, that's so much good, good material. And we are, are down to the last few minutes, um, that we have to, to talk about this. How do we, how do we end all of this? I've got, a, I've got at least a few more questions 
that we probably won't have time to. I'm going to get in one, and we'll see where we go. And just you can be thinking on how you want to end this. If a person, you, you used a term, uh, a term abandonment. Take Oswald Chambers, abandon to God. If a person mm-hmm. is listening by now saying, I want brokenness because I feel like the opposite of brokenness could be rebellion. Mm-hmm. I will not do this. In my line yes. of God, just leave me alone. And then the other one, get out of my way. And then it comes out and I do that to God and then to other people. If I'm, a, if I'm alive as you're talking, and I am, and I say, oh, I want what you're talking about, but I could leave, almost I feel like the rich young ruler, you know, maybe, and I leave and I walk away and then nothing happens. People listening today, they're inspired by what Larry Crabb is teaching, and they'll turn this CD off in a moment, and they could be unchanged. Yet for a moment, they feel like, I want that. How, 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 do, you, how do you get there? How do you begin to get there where you're really abandoned to God? How badly do you want it? And it may be that more time will have to transpire before you want it really badly. Mm-hmm. If you want it really badly, then you'll make a few changes in your life. Not in a legalistic no. way, but you might watch less television. You might actually pick up your Bible more often. You might you might pay more attention to the impulses of the Holy Spirit. That something within you, you hear about a, a ministry. The church that we attend has a, a hamburger ministry. Every What's Friday, my they, kind of ministry. Yeah, right. Every Friday they, they they take a grill down and they cook hamburgers and feed the homeless. And my wife heard about that. And she just felt a stirring of the spirit when they said they ran out of money to give them a donation. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't support them for a year, but it got a couple of hamburgers and a couple of homeless people's um, stomachs. Mm-hmm. And pay attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, because every Christian is going to feel it 10 times a day, 100 times a day. Pay attention to those promptings. Maybe you're going to want to put the trash bags in. Maybe you're going to want to empty the dishwasher for your wife. Maybe you're going to want to just pick up a, a difficult book like John Owen, which is incredibly worthwhile. Follow the promptings of your of, of the Spirit. Notice that something is in there and realize that when you follow the promptings, you'll pay a price. It'll be difficult. Um, spend less time um, wasting it. Spend a little more time reading the Scripture. Um, talk to other friends. Tell them where you are on your journey. Tell them you're Red Dot. Tell them you listened to this series and you came away saying, I'm not sure if I'm counseling in a Christian way. And I want to follow these seven key principles. I'm not sure how to do it, but I want to. Will you pray for me? Will you not so much hold me accountable, but we get together and talk about this? Because I'm on a journey, and I can't make this journey alone. And I'm not going to wait for God to fill me. I'm not going to sit back like a victim and say, well, until you fill me, I guess you haven't much interest, so I can just go back to watching four hours of television every night. It's almost like laying back in the old movies and somebody feeding the big fat guy grapes you know, with a harem. Feed me, Lord. And I don't think that's exactly how God does it. I think what he says is, I've I've already given you the bread of life, and you have it within you, and I want you to start acting on it because it's what you most want to do. And if you'll seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. He did say that in Jeremiah. That's right, in Jeremiah 29. And you've talked through this series, I've noticed, and I haven't alluded to it, but you've described basically 2 Peter 1.3, that he has given us everything Everything we need need for life and godliness. Everything we need for life and godliness. <laughs> and, and the word for life there is that deep animating principle, that Zoe word, you know, that says that way down deep in my soul, there is a passion. 
Are you willing to pay attention to that? One of the ways to pay attention to that is to be very quiet. When's the last time, I would say to every listener, I would say to myself as I look in the mirror, when's the last time I stopped speaking words and listened for half an hour? Jim, before we began recording these series, we sat for a minute. It wasn't very long. Mm-hmm. We sat for a minute and just waited to hear what God would, like, would have us do. When's the last time we made that an hour? When's the last time I made it an hour? When's the last time I made it a day? Do I really believe God mm-hmm. speaks? Do I really believe he's wanting to talk to me? Or do I find it much better to live in the manageable sphere and going to another conference and getting 10 more principles and buying five more books? And um, You don't speak to me, God, and that's what I connect to. Everybody else will. Even the great Christian leaders will. Yes. You won't. They will. There's yeah. plenty of a plethora of information out there. I've got all I need. And I'll I can, say, and I can say it much more spiritually. God, you speak through your leaders. Mm-hmm. Well, how about a direct encounter with God? Hmm. Is that really possible? Jim, I've been Christian for a long time. And I'm just beginning to not only believe, but to actually experience that God speaks. Just this morning, I woke up early, and I spent a half an hour without doing my best to clear my mind. As I prayed, the prayer was simply one of receiving. It wasn't one of, God, this is what's going on. I wish you could help me here, and here's my plan, and please this, and take care of that. It was more like, God, what do you want to say to me today? I'm going to be doing some recording today, and I would like you to speak into my heart today. And I'm going to lie here and just listen to you. Now, I think it's dangerous if you spend a lot of time listening to God without your Bible open. Because hmm. he has spoken. He's spoken in his word. There are propositional truths that are there. And, let's, and they're passionate propositional truths. So let's spend time in the word. A lot of Christians just plain aren't doing that. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Um, Bible study and prayer. Worship. Without those elements, I think that all of these, what I'm calling the key elements of spiritually forming conversations, will be nice thoughts. And this will be one more tape series, CD series, that you'll put with your file of 50 others and it won't make much difference. Hmm. But if somewhere in the deep in your soul you're stirred and you say, no, I have the privilege of being called as a therapist, as a counselor, as a spiritual director, pastor, husband, friend, parent, and I want to represent God in each of these relationships. I want to know what the red dot is in somebody else's life. I would like to know really where they are right now, especially as they relate to me. I want to face where I am right now. And I want to have a vision for where that person could be as the Spirit of God carries them along the path toward maturity. And I know there's a real battle going on in their souls. And I want to know what it is, the battle between terrible, evil, wicked sin that simply never will change until it's destroyed when we get to heaven. And the wonderful principle of God within me, the, 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 not the principle of God, the life of God, the person of the Spirit is within me. Mm. And I want to face that battle in that person's life as well as my own. And I want to believe that there's a deeper principle than the battle. There's a, a principle of life. He has given us everything we need for life. The spirit principle is there. And I want to I want to listen as they tell their story with discernment to hear how that battle is is showing itself. And as the battle shows itself, and perhaps I can help the person put words to it, that might introduce them into the cycle of spiritual formation where they will, they will begin to realize that their movement that they thought was so spiritual and so justified and so reasonable really has an element of sin to it. And brokenness over that leads them to repentance, leads them to abandonment. God, I'm not going to watch TV tonight, not because it's my spiritual discipline, although that's not a bad thing, but I'm going to spend time in your word tonight, not because good Christians do it, but because I want to hear you. I want to know you. And the confidence develops as we abandon ourselves more to God. We begin to realize that we really are whole. We really are alive because of Jesus. We actually know him. We hear him. We sense his spirit. We can be his agents in our counseling office, in our pastor's office, in our spiritual directing conversations. And out of us comes a, the the real me, the true self, not the false self, but the real Larry Crabb, not the mess that I so often see myself to be, but the power of Christ can actually come through me 
toward other people. Will I see it all the time? No. Will I walk away from some conversations discouraged? Yeah. But can I believe that I've been released to serve God in advancing the kingdom? And maybe not till I get to heaven will I see all that God has used me to do. But along the way, a couple of people will say, Larry, all of your interpretations made no impact, but I felt like you believed in me. I felt something coming out of you. And I'm going to go, wow. Yeah, maybe I'm smart and well-trained, but that's nothing without Christ empowering me. And um, those are the seven key principles. And I hope people ponder, reflect, talk about it, and become thoroughly, deeply, growingly Christian counselors, Christian spiritual directors, Christian pastors, Christian husbands and wives and moms and dads, Christian friends, then maybe we'll have the revolution that we're looking for in the church. Thanks for listening to Larger Story Messages with Dr. Larry Crabb. To subscribe, visit LargerStory.com.